Hi, friend. Hey. Hey, hey. How you doing? Oh, oh, it's good. You know, same old, same old. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Another week in corporate America. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nothing much. Mm. Nothing much is new. Although, you know, this Delta variant is here to ruin my life, so. (laughs) It's here to ruin everyone's life, but particularly yours. Yeah, I really thought. Really thought I was going to go to back to other projects. Mm. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. But Are you drinking anything today? I'm not drinking today because I had physical therapy yesterday and um, I went to the movies after. Mm-hmm. I saw Black Widow. Oh, I'm so jealous. And was it really good? It was pretty good. Um, I won't give anything away. Florence Pugh can murder me. Oh, she's, I she know. is amazing. She's so but there's a part in the movie that made me jump. And mm-hmm. because I was well, in a recliner no. chair, right. my feet were like off the ground. So my legs swung and my right leg rammed into my left ankle. Girlfriend. And it was no. numb for the rest of the movie, which, and that was the first like half an hour, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in Spain without the S today. And so I took um, painkillers before we started. Um, (laughs) Nothing strong. It was ibuprofen. But I have a bad history with taking pain medication and drinking. Nothing. I shouldn't say bad history. I've done it once. um, And then I ended up up passing out under my nephew's bed because of the combination. That does not sound very comfortable. Yeah. Um, so I'm not trying to do that today. I've learned my lesson. (laughs) One and done. So I just have some water with me. What are you drinking? Um, I'm like, technically, I guess not drinking, I'm eating it, but it's a pina colada. It's a frozen one. That's fun. Yeah. (laughs) I drank a lot yesterday because I was uh, FaceTiming with Janelle. Mm. But I've had these in my freezer for like ever and I'm like, oh, it looks good. So. Might as well. And I can't have the fan on when we're recording because it's too loud and I don't have air conditioning in my apartment. Mm. So hopefully it'll keep me cool. (laughs) (laughs) Just hold it on your neck. (laughs) In between my boobs. (laughs) Honestly, those are the best cup holders. I don't know what you're talking about. You're very normal boobs. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, this is Bookaholics Anonymous. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm Alicia and I'm Francesca, and we forget to do this half the time. Mm-hmm. Although we've been saying that for a while, but I think we've gotten really good at it. I yeah. think we remember basically almost every episode. I we've gotten a lot better with it for sure. We have. I feel like we should also say like, if you're listening and like this, feel free to like leave a rate on iTunes. Yeah, or tweet us. If yeah. you don't like us, um, keep it to yourself. please don't leave a rating but you know if there's something we could do better perhaps shoot us a message we could um we 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 take constructive criticism but if you're just critical and kind keep it to yourself yeah right critical and kind i like that i like i can't i can't take credit it's um this one um it's a taylor swift i knew it i knew it 
um, it's t uh, T-Swift style. She had to change it on Instagram a couple times because on Instagram very rudely deleted her account. Rude. But Fucking yeah, Zuckerberg. Says, right. She's like, be critically kind. And I'm like, I like that. So. That's nice. That's what we're looking for with the criticism. Yeah. So make sure, you know, if you like us, you leave us a little, a comment. Follow well, us. Yeah. So I don't think I have anything. Any book news. I don't think. I've not heard anything. So no news is good news, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I haven't bought a book in three weeks. So congrats to me. Oh, I love that for you. <laughs> Save that money. I know. It's mostly because I have none after traveling, so. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, I just got a book so. in the mail um, because oh, yeah? I was complaining to Kayla, who is a friend of the podcast, um, about oh, how much pain I am in currently. And her kind soul sent me the sweetest little care package. I think I saw that on Instagram. Yes. And she sent me a book. I feel like I saw the book and I'm like, oh, I have that. It's sorry, I'm yawning. Um, yeah. The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. Oh, yes. yep. I love this cover, by the way. This is so cute. Mm -hmm. It's so like tropical and pretty. I love a good yellow book. I know. There aren't enough yellow books in this world. There aren't. Um, but I will read that Ooh, eventually. Um, <laughs> eventually. That'll it's on my there. list. It's on my list. That'll be interesting because you um, don't read a lot of romances. Yeah. So. It's not my go-to. I'm too cynical to enjoy it. <laughs> oh, hold on. There was a book that I just read. It's called Infinite Country. And I don't know why, because it's not, like, very murder mystery or mystery at all-ish. But I was like, I feel like Francesca would like this book. It was only, like, it was under 300 pages, so. Damn. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was, a uh, like, it took a different direction than I thought it was going to from the oh, beginning. Oh, I love when books do that. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, uh, not focusing on what I thought it was going to focus <laughs> on. <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite when I think I have the book figured out. And then they're like, huh, no, bitch, you're wrong. I'm like, Just what? That never happens. Yeah. Could like, it be me? If if you eventually read it, it starts off very like, oh, this is just going to be like a stupid like YA novel, like almost like dystopian fantasy. And then you're like, oh, no. Bring me back to my roots. <laughs> not at all. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. So, yeah. Ooh. I'll have to check it out. You'll have to send me the name of it again so I remember. Yeah, I think it was it was a book of the month choice a couple of months ago, maybe. Mm. So, I was just looking at book of the month. I have to order my August book. I just oh, I just ordered mine. I can't remember what it was. Which, it was like um, the murder mystery one. The wealthy family one? Yeah, not a happy family. It's the one I, I picked. Ooh. Yeah, I was looking so, at that one. Yeah, I know. I picked it. I'm like, I bet you Francesca will probably pick this one, too. <laughs> But I got that. I have, like, a bunch of credits saved up because I skipped a couple months. Yeah. So I also got Malibu Rising Ooh. because everyone's been talking about it. And I've read Taylor Jenkins' read. And I've read two of her other books. And they're very hit or miss for me. I mean, I read Daisy Jones and the Six. And we know your feelings about that. And I didn't like it. I think I would have liked it better if I would have listened to it because everyone seems to love the audiobook. Yeah, which... the audiobook cast was, like, kind of stacked. So Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them. And then I read... 
um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and I loved that. I thought it was great. So I guess this will be the tiebreaker yeah. to, to determine whether or not I get to read all the rest of her books. Smart, smart. So I guess we will uh, jump right in. Yes, yes. So this week I am covering Two Towers, their first sequel on the pod. Oh, we're doing back, uh, a little back-to-back for you. Uh, almost a little bit, yeah. I love back that. Because if someone wants to listen to it back-to-back, they can. Right. I figured I kind of left a break. Well, we had two episodes in between when I did Fellowship. So yeah. at least you, you're you not getting straight like Lord of the Rings content. So I think I'll probably, I'll have to do the last one, obviously, to round out this, obviously. this trilogy. So I'll read, I'll do another book the next time it's my episode and then the following. So in like a month, I'll do the last book. Yeah. So we start right off where we left off in Fellowship of the Ring. I love when books do that. Yeah, I know. Perfect. So you don't have to be confused and try to play catch up. Yeah. So... Frodo and Sam say, catch you later, losers, and head off to Mordor by themselves. (laughs) See ya. Bye. You guys are boring. (laughs) There's not enough action. So Aragorn chases after them, but has no luck as their tracks are hard to follow. Which, like, yeah, because they were on a boat. (laughs) I'm on a boat, bitch. Sorry. So, also a huge horde of orcs are attacking them. So, like, that too. It's just so, (laughs) that's so fantasy. I know. Like, a huge (laughs) horde of orcs. Like, just orcs everywhere. Orcs on orcs. So, as Aragorn is, like, trying to find Frodo and Sam, he hears Boromir's horn and realizes, oh shit, this man's is in danger. And so he rushes back and unfortunately... Finds Boromir fatally stabbed. This is where we get the deathbed confession, as we both love. Love a deathbed confession. Yes. Add that to our list of cliches. Exactly. That Boromir tried stealing the ring from Frodo earlier, which, like, we already knew about, but no one else did but Frodo. Yeah. So, with this out in the open, Boromir dies. Rip, king, gone too soon. (laughs) Rest in peace. (laughs) So... Now, you may be wondering where the fuck the rest of this group is is currently. Well, Legolas and Gimli return after following the wrong group of orcs, because there's multiple groups, of course, and are distraught to find Boromir dead. Legolas especially blames himself, because they chased after the wrong group and left Boromir by himself. So, Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn carry Boromir's body to the river and, like, launch out on a funeral boat. So it's like a pyre, you know, Mm -hmm. as you do in fantasy. Yes. So Legolas and Aragorn sing, you guessed it, more songs. Of course, because this is a Lord of the Rings book, there's got to be some songs in here. (laughs) J.R.R. Tolkien really said, I missed my opportunity to be the next Taylor Swift. He could (laughs) have. He really could have. He could have. He really could have. I, you know what, if he was still alive, would love to have, like, an album of all the songs he wrote in his book. Because there's so many. What What do you think it would be titled? What would be the album title? Songs from Middle Earth? Um, 
The token tapes. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. So sorry. That'd be so good. That'd be amazing. I know. So this is where it when it dawns on Legolas, where the fuck are these hobbits? <laughs> these other hobbits. <laughs> He's like, shit, I lost them. So when Aragorn is like, the fuck if I know, it wasn't my turn to watch them. Like Legolas babysitting. Ex- yeah, exactly. Legolas explains that he sent Boromir to follow Merry and Pippin, but neglected to ask whether Frodo was with them. Dumbass. Right. I'm taking the kids. Sam, I, I know. Dumbass. Sorry, that was really loud. <laughs> so... Aragorn then realizes that son of a bitch Frodo must have separated from his friends so he didn't put them in danger and that the rest of them have to stick together to save Merry and Pippin as well as Frodo and Sam. So as they try tracking tracking Merry and Pippin, oh, by the way, I think Merry is a a girl. Is she? Is she not? In the movie, she's not. He's not. So. Okay. Because I was assuming Merry was also like a guy. But I could be reading that wrong. I, like, was, like, because I listened to the book. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to make sure if I could catch something that said either way, but. No, in the movies, I'm pretty sure Mary is played by a girl. I mean, a boy. A boy. A boy. boy. You're right. A male. Okay. Because I was, like, reading stuff, you know, online, reviews Mm -hmm. and stuff, and some of them make Mary seem like a girl and I'm like am I reading this wrong like that'll be so embarrassing because I said on the podcast maybe, that none of these maybe she he's a little effeminate maybe which is like which is fine chill. I mean I don't read it that way like yeah he seems just like a normal dude they don't none of them seem like overly masculine like like a problematically masculine you know yeah but maybe people are just trying to find a way to insert themselves which you know listen we love a good self-insert we do. I inserted myself as Mary, so... That's right. I am so. both twins. <laughs> Actually, no, I feel like you would fit better as the twins because you're a Gemini. So... Um, absolutely not. Nope, we are subverting tropes here. <laughs> <laughs> so, as they try tracking Mary and Pippin, at first they only see orc tracks, but eventually they start picking up hobbit tracks, so thank goodness they're still alive at least. At the foot of a steep slope, the group finds five orc corpses huddled together, and Aragorn notices that they, they're they from a different orc tribe, of course, because there's different orcs. Now we're going to get a whole background on the history of orcs in yeah. um, Middle Earth. Yeah, there is, like, later on, but I don't include it, because I'm like, mm, Wait, really? really? Yeah. What the fuck? How is that yeah, relevant? They- I know. I was like, mm, it's nearly not relevant to the plot, so we're going to leave that in the book. If you want it, read the book. <laughs> so, Aragorn notices they're from a different orc tribe and guesses that the orcs have been fighting amongst themselves. Gimli hopes that the captive hobbits have not suffered as a result of the orc fights, and Legolas, while they're discussing this, sees an eagle flying about, you know, they say 12 leagues away, which whatever the hell a league is, what the fuck? I don't know. Is that like some sort of like Middle Earth measurement? It's, it's like a nautical term, you oh. know, but I'm like, bro, I don't know what that means. I for real thought that captain. he made up his own measurement system for this, so. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, go hard or go home. I guess so. So I guess that's the reason they call him the grandfather of fantasy, so. 
Yeah, that's true. So Legolas guesses that the orcs are where this eagle is. And if this is true, he suggests that the orcs are moving with at the like greatest possible speed. So they're traveling not only at night, but also by daylight, which is not usual. Orcs don't like sunlight usually. Hmm. So that's concerning. <laughs> As they keep trekking in Rowan, which is like the area they're in currently, Aragorn spots hobbit footprints on the ground and guesses them to be Pippins. I don't know how he guesses they're Pippins and not Mary's, but... Sure, Jan. Maybe he has like a deformed toe. Maybe. Or maybe he like slightly turns his like steps in or out or something. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he walks he also, on the outer parts of his feet, so they're a little bit deeper on those sides. Plenty of ways to figure out that it's someone else's. You know what? Maybe Aragorn is like a true crime fan, and he's picked this up from the true crime podcasts he listens to. Honestly, <laughs> the and you know what? You say that, but the reason yeah. I say that is because I walk on the outer parts of my feet, which <laughs> is a lot of what my doctor has told me has caused parts of my accidents. So that's what made me say it. But it's not wrong. You're not wrong. Maybe it's both. Maybe he also walks like that, but also he just really loves true crime. I mean, who could <laughs> blame him? Right. So so he also finds an elf cloak and a brooch, like an elf brooch that was um, on the ground. And he is like, well, it's really super unlikely that this brooch would be dropped by chance. Mm-hmm. So Aragorn thinks that Pippin probably left it there as a sign for someone to find and, like, rescue them. Which I'm like, you know what? That's, like, that theory works, but also, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they just, like, left it. They lost it. Could happen. There, I don't think they heard of Hansel and Gretel at that point, so it's the true. likelihood feels a little slim. Yeah, that's what I was thinking at this point in the book. I'm like, man, I don't know. It seems a little unlikely, but it, it's possible. It's possible. I was also thinking at this point in the book that, like, these hobbits get into so much fucking trouble. <laughs> we are literally three chapters in, and they have already been kidnapped. Like, bro, come on. That's how I know I'm the twins, because <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I had almost been kidnapped, I'd have two nickels. Which seems like a lot, but it's weird that it's <laughs> happened more than once, right? <laughs> yes. So I would be the twins solely based on the number of times I've almost been kidnapped. And that's like, yes, that's a TikTok sound and it's funny. But also you're like being serious. I'm being serious. I've almost yes. been kidnapped more than once. Right. <laughs> so... So suddenly Legolas sees horsemen moving in the distance because Legolas has like super great eyesight because he's an elf, as they do, you know. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Because he's an elf. <laughs> Mood. So though he doesn't see any like hobbits with them, so they're like, mm, not great. So the riders are not orcs, but men. And Aragorn suspects that it's the riders of Rowan and reassures Gimli that they're chill and not going to, like, murder them until they at least talk to them first. They're they're civilized, you know? You know. So when the horsemen approach, the leader introduces himself as... I'm going to butcher this, as as I do. Eomir? 
Mm, it's E-O-M-E-R, and there's, like, an accent over the first E, so. Listen, you're talking to me. No judgment. Yeah, Emer? Emer! Emma! Emma! Emma, no! Cleo! I can't do Cleo. <laughs> I can't do that one. Cleo, Nar. Cleo, no. No. Nar. I can do Emma! That one I can do. I can't Emma. do the other ones. <laughs> so... Emer, Emer. Let's just call him. Just e. say it like you're saying Emma, but with an er at the end. Emer, Emer. <laughs> oh my gosh! Everyone's gonna turn this podcast off right now. It's Aomir. Aomir. That's, that's what they. Yeah. It's. That's I still what, prefer my Emer. Aomir. That's what Google says, at least. Aomir. Okay. So well, Aragorn explains that he is hunting orcs, and Aomir admits that he mistook Aragorn's group for a group of orcs themselves. Aragorn learns that he's searching for his, or sorry, Aragorn tells him that he's searching for his hobbit friends uh, that he lost and that the orcs have taken captive. Eomer relates or tells them that there's like a huge battle that just took place between the riders and the orcs and that they killed all the orcs, but there was no sign of any hobbit bodies amongst the dead, the casualties. The thing is, is that they're not sure whether Aomir even knows what a hobbit is. <laughs> so they're like, ah, I don't know if like we particularly like trust that because you don't you don't know what a, a hobbit is. Yeah. So, uh, so Gimli explains that hobbits are neither children nor dwarves but halflings, and Aomir is like very like pl- like is tickled at this like. <laughs> He thought like halflings were characters, fairy tales. Yeah, and is very pleasantly surprised to learn that they are actually real. Amir <laughs> then changes topics and tells them that the uh, the the evil wizard Saruman, who was in the first book, mm-hmm. has been corrupted and is now a dangerous enemy preparing for war in nearby Isengard. Which like yeah, we've been new sis. <laughs> like where have you been? Yeah, like, we knew he was evil. I don't know. I don't think we knew he was preparing for war in Isengard, but we still knew, like, this guy is up to no good. Yeah. So, Aragorn relates to Eomer that Gandalf the Grey, who was with them, has been killed. Which, obviously, devastating. Gone but not forgotten. Um, What was I going to say? Red King. I just looked it up, and Merry is played Mm -hmm. by Dominic Moynihan in the movies. He's the one that interviews him and goes, will you have And he starts, like, cracking up. Have you seen that? No. Oh, my God, I'll have to send it to you. It's one of the funniest shits I've ever seen. So, Aomir then tells the group, hey, you know, we don't usually let strangers wander freely in Rowan, but I'm gonna let it slide for y'all and even gives them some, like, horses to ride with Ugh. the stipulation that they bring them back t- to prove some sort of, like, I don't know, nobleness or, like, loyalty or something. I don't know. Those he's, horses are gonna die. Literally, I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, take these horses, but you gotta bring them back as, like, a sign of good faith. I don't know. I was like, all right, whatever. Who cares? Just take them. This is gonna be horse-aside. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they ride all day, but still find no trace of Pippin or Mary. As they rest for the night, Gimli has a vision of an old man in a large cloak in a wide-rimmed hat, whom he thinks is Saruman. And when the group wakes... They find that their horses are gone. Shocker. Shocker, I know. Gimli. Who, yeah. okay, wait. Who is the character who's kind of stout with long red hair? 
None You're of asking them? as if like I don't. I've not like watched the movies. No, so I, like, I don't know. No I don't clue. know if the appearances are like based off of the book's appearance. I have no clue. I probably picture them completely different than they're like described because okay, just because I saw a clip, are really long in this book. I saw a clip from one of the movies. This isn't a giveaway because obviously, like they're fighting and shit in the books. Um, right, but Legolas and this guy are fighting. And the tiny one is Oh, like, yeah. It's definitely Gimli then. Yeah. For sure. Because Legolas and Gimli, like, fight together all the time for some reason. Yeah. Well, one of them was like, oh, I killed more guys than you. And... Sounds about right. Le- Legolas was like, really? And he just uh, flings an arrow at a guy that goes to sit up. And he goes... Gimli's like, I killed that guy. And he goes, clearly you didn't. It was really funny. So I just wanted to know who that guy was because I kind of that's, identified with him. Yeah, that's definitely Gimli. For sure. Okay. For sure, for sure. So, yeah, they wake up, the horses are gone. So, like, so much for keeping the riders of Rowan on their good side because those horses are gone. They, they're, you're not going to get them back. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, now we finally get to, he- uh, to hear from Pippin and Mary as they lie captive in an orc camp, bound head and hand and foot. So it's great. I know. So, Pippin recalls the, the battle in which, like, Boromir came to like their aid and at first was like causing or like causing the orcs to like back off and be like whoa i'm scared of you thanks sean bean yeah but then he wasn't able to call any of the other warriors with his horn that he blew that we heard in the first chapter yeah um and pippin's last memory of the battle is seeing boromir trying to pull an arrow out of his own body You don't pull it out. You push it through. Well, just keep it in and just don't touch it. Well, you're supposed to push it through because the arrow has like divots in the back. So you're ripping out. You're doing more damage by pulling it out. I would keep it in. I ain't touching that. I don't trust myself. I don't have a medical degree. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't plan on getting shot with an arrow anytime soon either. So. Oh, but it sounds like so much fun. I'm just kidding. Mm. Don't shoot me with an arrow, please. Actually, it sounds like a fun way to die. <laughs> I'm like, does it, though? <laughs> that is a Yelena quote, actually, from Black Widow. You would know it if you saw oh. it. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen it, so... I've been... I'm supporting very... ScarJo, by, and I went and saw it in a theater. I'm Well, I'm not paying $30 for myself to see it, so there's that. I saw it... It was $10 when I went with my friends. We went in the middle of the day. <laughs> How much is it usually? Like 15 Oh my gosh, it's $10 at home. Oswego was like $5. Oh, I know. Rip. Shout out. That theater was beautiful. is prime. It was prime to get kidnapped. That too, but it was a beautiful theater. So Pippin regrets that Gandalf even ever asked him to come on this trip and feels like he's been more of a burden than like, you know, a helpful hand in this whole thing. Yeah. Which, don't ever doubt yourself like that. Pippin, you're fantastic. You're great. You're doing great, sweetie. So, Pippin hears the orcs talking among themselves, um, one of which asks why the hobbits can't be just killed, to which the other answers that orders have been given not to kill, search, or plunder the hobbits. They must be captured alive, obviously, because they want, he, you know, they want the ring. Yeah, they think that, So, so they think that the twins have the ring? They, yeah, they they know one of the hobbits has the ring, but they don't know which one. Okay. So. Now so that makes pa- sense why they were kidnapped. 
Although it's hard for Pippin to follow along with the different languages, he can tell that there is apparently some hostility among the various orc tribes. So the you orc use factions. it against them. You drive a wedge in and you break it. So there's suddenly a fight that breaks out between the different factions. Different factions? And one of the, okay, we're yes. so Veronica Roth. Oh, I was thinking di- Divergent. Isn't that... Oh, Veronica Roth. I, for some reason, thought... Like, you said something else. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I thought she... I thought I was right. I thought she wrote them. Good yeah. to know that I was right, though. As I usually For am. some reason, I thought you said Veronica Mars. And I was like, well, I've never seen Veronica Mars, but... I was thinking more, like, Divergent. So, there... Um, as one of Orc is thrown to the ground, Pippin is able to cut his bindings on the Orc's knife. Nice. But not so fast, as one of the Orc factions notices and kidnaps them from the rest of the group and tries searching them for the ring. The hobbits demand to be untied before they will give up any information to them. Because they, you know, dumbass bitches. Yeah. So suddenly a rider appears and kills the hobbits, the hobbits' orc captor. Mm-hmm. And Pippin and Mary lie frightened on the ground, covered up by one of the elf cloaks. Which makes them invisible. I love that. You're so, so small that, like, literally a cloak covers you. Yeah, exactly. I remember being that size in fifth grade. Maybe younger. <laughs> probably, like, second. I was so taller they, than my teacher in fifth grade, so... I was gonna say, I don't think I would have been that small even in fifth grade. I was, like, probably six, probably, or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely remember being larger than any of my classmates, so that was traumatizing. Girl, same. <laughs> Girl, same. Try being taller than your teacher. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Because when I handed him something, I had to look down. Oh, boy. So, so they eat, um, they, like, obviously, after all the orcs have been cleared out, they eat some, like, cakes to regain their energy and decide to leave the elf, the, the elf brooch and the cloak behind in hopes that someone might find it and the hobbits flee into the woods. Oh, so so when they found the brooch. Okay, so this is like a flashback-ish to see what they were up to while they were being looked for. Yes. Okay. Got it. Right. So as they stop to drink some water from the river, Merry and Pippin are suddenly addressed by what appears to be a 14-foot tall walking tree. Me. Actually, no, I'm too fat to be a tree. But it was a nice (laughs) thought. (laughs) The creature is an Ent, an ancient tree-like creature named Fangorn or Treebeard. I'm just going to call him Treebeard because... That is hilarious what, and it deserves to be called Treebeard, yes. Yeah, well, I feel like that's what they mostly call it in the book anyways, so... That's amazing. Treebeard offers to carry Merry and Pippin to his home and to give them, like, food and drink to regain their strength, which, I'm not going to lie, this chapter was probably one of my least favorite in the book. <laughs> Of course it was. Because it just takes way too long and talks about things I really was like, I don't care. Although I will admit, at least Tolkien had some self-awareness that he realized how ridiculous this all sounds and had a little fun by naming one of his characters Treebeard. Treebeard. We love to see it. And at least it was an easier name to pronounce than than some of these other ones. Right. Emer. I'm still going to call him that, so... (laughs) So while eating, Pippin and Mary learn about Ents' growing fury. The Ents. It's like a group of them. Yeah. So the walking tree. The, the walking trees. The walking dead. Growing fury. Right. <laughs> a bit different, but you know, 
basically. Same idea, almost. <laughs> so, you learn about the gro- the walking trees growing fury at the orcs and at Saruman, who has been mutating the orcs into a new breed of monsters that are unafraid of sunlight, which yeah. is what we saw earlier. So, what Legolas suspected has been confirmed. Mm-hmm. So... Treebeard says that Saruman is evil and that Saruman's Isengard forces must be stopped through an alliance between Rowan, the Walking Trees, and Aragorn's posse. Well, I mean, crew. we been knew that he was a bad guy. Like, Right. We did. We did. The hobbits suddenly hear the mighty roar of the Ents' assembly, which has been stirred to action. So they're going to war now. Fun. So Pippin at first cannot believe his eyes when he, he thinks he sees trees moving but no that like that's legit the forest itself begins to move and the tree the walking trees all march toward isengard to wage battle with saruman and his orc forces time out no what i just yeah. immediately thought of what shrek 2 stop when snow white comes out and starts singing <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> Oh, I mean, they're both gosh. fantasy, so I'm not too far off. Yet another case of IP stealing. Right. So, now back to the, the hashtag crew, the Aragorn crew, <laughs> of Aragorn, crew. Gimli, and Legolas. They have all suffered through a shitty-ass freezing weather on the trail of Merry and Pippin. It's like an upstate Midwest winter <laughs> up in here. It's not good. That was a good one. It's like seven feet of snow. Mm. So, so like a regular Thursday at your house. Yeah, exactly. So they fear that the hobbits may have perished in the fierce battle between the riders of Rowan and the orcs. And Gimli and Aragorn find the knife and the, ro- the cut ropes that bound the hands of, of Pippin and Merry, giving them hope that the two hobbits are still alive somewhere in the forest. And they find hobbit tracks and follow them up the river where the hobbits, like, stopped at that river mm-hmm. and then got approached by the tree. Tree beard. <laughs> tree. So, debating what to do next, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are suddenly surprised by an old man in a cloak and wide-brimmed hat in the forest, taking him to be Saruman, you know, the evil wizard. Yeah, because he would are- just be on, like, a nice little daytime hike. And, well, they think it because Gimli had that vision before. Mm, true, true. And they thought it was, so it's like, eh. But, so, they're about to shoot him when Aragorn is like, wait, hold up, hold up. Let me, like, talk to him first to be sure this is who we think it is. Yeah. Which I'm like, mm, I really don't know about that one, sir. Ma'am. It just, ma'am, this is an Arby's. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like a greatest idea, but I guess if... It was Saruman. He probably would have already killed them. Yeah. So it's worth a shot, I guess. I guess you and, might be right. Right. I guess this one time. So the stranger speaks to them very famili- familiarly. Um, famil- familiarly? Yeah. I am. Familiarly? Yeah. Yeah. I got you, boo. We get it. I know. Speech and, speech impediments and all, we, we, get, we get what you're saying. Literally. So Gimli, like, asks the old man to tell them where their friends are, and instead of answering, the old man decides to be hella dramatic, jumps up on a tall rock, and throws off his gray clothes, revealing white garments beneath. The crew is stunned to see it's Gandalf. Yeah. It's Dumbledore. Shocker! 
So it's it's Gandalf the Grey, who's now been transformed as Gandalf the White. Um, and, and Gandalf mysteriously says that he has, quote-unquote, passed through fire and deep water since his plunge into the mines of Moria, whatever the hell that means. Well, isn't that so, where they were when he died? Was in that yeah, mine but like, thing? Yeah, but like, passed through fire and deep water? Like, that is so mysterious, sir. You also, couldn't give us a little more than that? I mean... Um, also, if he fi- passed through fire and well, deep water, wouldn't he be, like, Grand- Gandalf the Black? Like, his robes would not be white. That's for damn I, sure. I guess he's found a Forever 21 or... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, side note. I saw this um, article that people are pissed about the new remake of Sex in the City because they saw Carrie or Carrie... Oh, yes. I saw ...walking through that. in a Forever 21 dress. And yep. I'm like, mm-hmm. ma'am, what is this? What is... What are those? It's Forever 21. That's what it is. Yikes. Anyway... They've really downgraded. Yeah. So I'm actually pretty sure that, like, Gandalf's horse, Shadow Fox, Shadow Fax, rescued him, if I'm remembering correctly. Love that. But that could be wrong. Like, I could be not remembering that correctly. Also, while I was listening to this part, I was at the gym, like, mid-run, and, like, I'm listening to this, and Gandalf comes back, and I'm we're only, like, 30% of the way through at this point. Yeah. I'm like... Gandalf's back? <laughs> what? I'm like in the gym. My mouth is hanging open. I'm like, what? I didn't think he was going to come back until the third book. I'm not yeah. going to lie. So Gandalf explains that Saruman is trying to seize the ring for his own use. Duh. Yeah, we've been so, Right. And Sauron had asked for Sar- Saruman's help. Why do they all both have to have like such similar names? Like, couldn't have helped the girl out here. Yeah. So Sauron asked for Saruman's help. But Saruman betrayed Sauron by dividing the Isengarders against Rowan, thereby helping Gandalf's forces. Which, like, I mean, what does Sauron expect? Two evil baddies working together <clears throat> never works out for the baddies. Come on. It's elementary. <laughs> that was a good one. So Gandalf notes that Sauron's mistake is in concentrating his forces abroad in his search for the ring and Frodo. But he doesn't know it's Frodo. He just knows it's a hobbit. Mm-hmm. Rather than guarding the entrance to Mordor so that Frodo's entry will be, like, blocked. It has apparently not occurred to Sauron that Frodo might be trying to return the ring to Mordor to destroy it. Which, that tracks to me, at least. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's got a brain between his ears. Yeah, I just feel like it probably never crossed his mind that let someone would want to like not use it he's like it's great it's got so much power why would you want to you don't want to use it you want to destroy it like i guarantee you it never even crossed yeah. his mind so gandalf also predicts that the moving trees the walking trees now fully woken to action will be powerful in a way no one will expect and Aragorn is confident that Gandalf will be the best leader of their forces, and he hails Gandalf as the White Rider. So Gandalf mounts his horse, Shadowfax, and they all make their way towards Isengard. So during this all, Gimli mentions the vision he had earlier and asks Gandalf if that was really him, since they had originally mistaken him for Saruman. While Gandalf does acknowledge that they look alike, he says it was probably Saruman. So, so that's concerning. Theory, Saruman is yes. Gandalf's brother. <laughs> well, he is, um, I don't know. I'm, I obviously 
like, spoiler alert, it's not in this book at least, so I guess we'll have to wait for the third book to find yeah. out if that theory is right. But he, they were in the League of Wizards together. So Legolas sees shapes moving in the distance. He is unable to distinguish them clearly. So then, And then the next day, Gandalf becomes like super weird and alarmed and tells his horse Shadowfax t- to do something. And then Shadowfax like speeds off. And then he orders the group to go into Helm's Deep and to stay far away from the plains of Aizen um, that they were like heading towards. That is... So... Yeah, so the group obeys Gandalf without knowing why, which, like, doesn't seem the best plan, but all right. I mean, it is Gandalf, so. That is why I could never, like, be in the military or be, like, a cop or anything like that, because I cannot blindly follow orders. I ask far too many questions. I'd be like, why? (laughs) I don't understand. I'm, like, a five-year-old. I ask why? why. But why? Okay, but why? Like, that's why I can never do this. I would either have to be the leader or just not be involved. (laughs) So the group goes to the deep, Helm's Deep, which is a narrow gorge in the mountains on the far side of Westfold. And suddenly a battle begins um, as the area around the deeping wall is flooded with orcs. And after like a ton of hours fighting, the forces of Rowan grow tired and Aragorn is worried that to see that the orcs have crept beneath the wall and have lit a flaming trail of orc liquor below the riders. So I think this is the scene you were talking about earlier where Gimli and Legolas are like fighting side by side because in this scene they are fighting side by side. Probably. So. Well, they're not fighting That's side by side. Spoiler. Gimli's like on his back on the ground. And Legolas goes to help him up. That's what I mean. Oh, like, okay. they're fighting, like, yeah. to, it's like side by side as more of a, like... I thought you meant, like, back to back, like, fighting. You know what I mean? No. Oh, also, by the way, I'm horrible at, like, battle scenes. Like, they just always confuse me. So if I get some things wrong, that's probably Yeah, why. I like more one-on-one shit where it's, like, easier to follow who's doing what. Right. There's just too much going on at once. I just get a little confused about what's going happening. So, Aragorn goes into Hornburg, the nearby citadel, to find that Eomir has not arrived yet, which, kind of concerning. So, Aragorn learns that the orcs have used their flaming liquid to blast through the wall and sees it, and the orcs are now jeering at the riders in the citadel, telling them to come out and meet their fate. Suddenly, the roar of trumpets is heard, and the king, Theoden of Rowan, appears. Thank goodness. So the orcs, gripped with fear, begin to retreat, dispersing throughout the land surrounding Helm's Deep. The Hornburg remains safe, and suddenly a horseman clad in white appears in the distance. The riders of Rowan have come, and they hail Gandalf, the white rider, on the back of Shadowfax. So that's what Gandalf was setting off his horse to Oh, okay. It all makes sense now. (laughs) So Gandalf urges... King Theoden to assemble a party to ride with him to Isengard to meet Saruman. Theoden chooses Eomir and 20 riders to accompany them, and Gandalf rides in, you know, with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli towards Isengard. Mm -hmm. Riding on for several days, the group finally arrives at Saruman's stronghold at Isengard. They see the the stone towers called Orthanc, or Orthanc? where Saruman lies in wait, surrounded by a deep gorge on all sides. At the gates of Isengard, 
Gandalf's group is surprised to find Merry and Pippin lounging and smoking. Hell yeah, like the pimps they are. Exactly. So now we have met up with Merry and Pippin's timeline from a couple chapters ago. So they have been left out Isengard as the walking trees have stormed, you know, are planning to attack Isengard. So it is the it's the first time Theoden has ever seen hobbits, and which is kind of humorous. I'm not gonna lie, the like that so many people in this book don't like have never seen hobbits before. Just is pretty funny to me. <laughs> they like think they're like extinct, make believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after a brief chat, Merry and Pippin deliver the messages that uh, Treebeard is waiting to meet Gandalf on the northern wall of Isengard, which Gandalf sets out to meet. The walking trees mm-hmm. accompanied by Theoden. Gandalf and Theoden come back then, and the group sets off for the gates of Orthanc. Orth- Orthanac? Orthanc? Orthanc. I don't know. <laughs> they go off for the gates. <laughs> yeah, they go to the gates of, of this place to try to make contact with Saruman. Watching the windows of the tower, Gandalf calls out Saruman's name, but gets no response. Of course, because he, he's not going to just come out, Gandalf. Come on. Yeah, right? That's rookie mistake. So finally a window opens and they hear the voice of Grima Wormtongue, who is Saruman's spy in Theoden's court. So Wormtongue, which makes me think of Wormtail from Harry Potter, so we're just going to ignore that. (laughs) Wormtongue asks what the visitors want and Gandalf demands to speak to Saruman himself. He's like, I ain't talking to no spy Fuck that. I want to talk to the head honcho here. Rightfully. <laughs> I, want to, I want to talk to the manager. <laughs> so finally Saruman speaks and he addresses the travelers in a, in a sad self-pitying voice trying to like win them over and use his powers to persuade them. Um, and at first he speaks to the riders of Rowan claiming that he wants peace for all, which Theoden and his men are like initially swayed by this and swayed by Saruman, mm-hmm. but Gimli interrupts the wizard to accuse him of lying because Gimli's not taking nobody's shit. Hell yeah. And Saruman tries to maintain his cool, but explodes in like fury when Gandalf re- like basically rebuttals like everything he says and it's like, that's, you're not, no, shut up. <laughs> so Gandalf responds by breaking Saruman's staff, which like, oh boy, breaking his staff, that's a big power move, buddy. <laughs> Saruman then falls down and Wormtongue, like furious and enraged and hidden from view, seeks revenge by throwing a glowing crystal sphere out of the tower window. The globe misses Gandalf and rolls along the ground and miraculously doesn't break. I guess maybe they're like on grass or something. I guess they are on grass and it's not like gravel or anything hard. Like dirt. (laughs) Right. And it rolls around the ground, rolls along the ground, and P- Pippin picks it up. The group prepares and gives it to Gandalf. The group prepares to leave Orthanc, as and as they do, they hear a piercing cry from Saruman's quarters. Gandalf knows that Saruman has realized the loss of his precious globe that Wormtongue threw out the window. And as they leave the gates, Gandalf introduces Treebeard to Legolas and Gimli. Gandalf asks the walking trees to fill the gorge around Orthanc with water, ensuring that Saruman can never escape. <laughs> Which is like, damn. We'll be back I... for you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Dumbledore could never. 
Dumbledore, I'd be like, Harry, go lie there. Just like you sit here and watch him and let us know if you see anything suspicious. Right. So Treebeard promises that the walking trees will do so and help a homie out. Leaving Isengard, they ride late into the night and then stop to camp. Pippin asks Mary whether Gandalf seems different now that he has come back from the dead. Which, like, I don't think he's come back from the dead. I think he just survived the fall in Moria. Like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Mary then replies that the wizard seems both happier and more serious. Which, that's pretty ominous, but we're just going to ignore that. (laughs) Uh, Pippin is, like, super restless now and is dying to know about this crystal globe Wormtongue threw out of the tower. So, Pippin sneaks on over to Gandalf, who's sleeping, and says don't mind if I do, and takes the globe (laughs) and starts, like, looking into it. Pippin is, like, appalled by the sight of a dark flying creature approaching him and then an image of an evil figure addressing him. He drops the globe and is like, yo, what the fuck was that? What the fuck, Richard? Right. Gandalf then awakes, pissed at Pippin, as the globe is a palantir, a palantir? One of seven ancient seeing stones that Sauron has turned to evil uses as devices to communicate with his minions from his tower in Mordor. Because as an evil baddie does, (laughs) you gotta do, you know, (laughs) gotta turn things evil, of course. So Pippin's glimpse into the Palantir not only enabled him to see visions, but allowed Sauron to see Pippin Uh and into the Hobbit's thoughts. I know, not good. God damn it, now they have to kill Pippin. Exactly. Aragorn notes that the Palantir explains how Saruman was able to communicate with Sauron. And Gandalf explains that the Palantir is probs what played a part in the corruption of Saruman. Because you have to remember, he was like the leader of the group of wizards, Mm -hmm. the order of wizards or whatever. So it also dawns on Gandalf that seeing Pippin in the globe will confuse confuse Sauron and that they can use this to their advantage. The wizard then explains that the winged creature Pippin saw in the globe is one of the Nazgul, they're like ringwraiths who pursued the hobbits earlier in the novel, mm-hmm. and Gandalf proposes to take Pippin away on Shadowfax and to ride as far as the court of Endorus. Wherever that is. <laughs> yeah, wherever the hell that is. I mean, I'm listening to this via audiobook, so... um I don't have a map in front of me. <laughs> so then we finally get to hear from our besties, Frodo and Samwise. Samwise Ganji. Your bestie. It's Taylor and My Felicia. Besties. Exactly. So Sam and Frodo, we pick up, I think, a couple days after they have left um, the group, you know. So they are trying to make their way through, like, these perilous landscapes like mountains and stuff and as they're trying to like get over this cliff sam is like kind of like bitching because they have to carry all this like cookware that they can't use because they have no fucking food and sam is like man i could really go for a pint right now (laughs) but like why don't you just drop the dead weight because i don't know because they want to make sure if they find food they can cook it Mm. i guess because they have no other food other than like what they catch yeah they i think they have a couple like cakes or whatever but they're mostly gonna have to rely on like whatever they find they catch yeah right 
So as they continue to follow the cliff for several days, they finally arrive at a spot that appears that they'll be able to climb down, which there's like some argument about who should go first. Um, And eventually Sam wins (laughs) and he lowers himself down the cliff when suddenly a super dark shape appears overhead and suddenly Sam loses hold on the rock and falls, but is saved by a narrow ledge below. Frodo tries to like, he doesn't want to look basically. He's like, I can't, I can't look because he doesn't want to see Sam falling to his death. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, you're pretty fucking like useless. And then, but then he loses his foothold and falls down the ledge as it begins to rain. And then Sam suddenly remembers that he has a strong, thin elf rope in his bag. And so he gets that out and starts, like, using it to lower themselves to the ground. And finally, after they have finally gotten to the ground below, they, Sam and Frodo, mentally start preparing to go onward to Mordor, because they're, like, pretty close. So as the hobbits huddle in the cold, Frodo spots a crawling creature on a distant cliff. Sam realizes the creature is Gollum, our bestie. What the fuck, Richard? What you doing here? Right. Who has been, like, following them this whole trip. And Sam actually makes, like, a comment earlier in the chapter that's like, oh, I think we've lost Gollum. Thank God. (laughs) That's annoying. (laughs) So. They. So as Gollum starts coming near, he leaps on Sam and they wrestle while Frodo draws his knife from its sheath and thrusts it against Gollum's neck, demanding he obey him and, like, be, like, basically, like, knock it the fuck off. So Gollum is suddenly, like, subservient and vows total servitude, but, which Frodo does not trust, and I don't trust either. I thought Mm -hmm. this was, like, so dumb, because now they bring him on this trip with them, and I'm like... Human shield. Well, not human, but... I'm like, I don't know about this one, guys, but whatever. So suddenly, Gollum suddenly bounds away trying to escape, but the hobbits get him back and harness him with elf rope that they had, which causes Gollum great pain. And Gollum, again, vows obedience, and this time seems sincere. And he says that he can lead them towards Mordor. Sure, Jan. Again, I don't trust it, but I guess you got to do what you got to do. So Gollum then guides Frodo and Sam through the marshland that surrounds Mordor and he like knows the area so well since he's been on the run from the orcs in the area so he knows it well. Mm-hmm. Gollum is does not like the sun. He kind of hates the sun actually and prefers to travel at night. So the hobbits continue to feed on the cakes and offer some to Gollum but he refuses cuz he just wants to eat like raw things like he wants to eat yeah and i'm like okay that's um gross interesting (laughs) how vegan of him so (laughs) i i guess so maybe he is vegan you don't know so uh, no he yeah no he prefers to eat like raw like animals oh uh, yeah so never mind as the hobbits get ready to camp for night sam worries that Gollum may trick them while they are sleeping so he waits until Gollum falls asleep first Sam whispers the word fish in Gollum's ear, and when he gets no reaction, he's, he's like, okay, we, we're good. This, he's not going to, like, kill us or anything. <laughs> at least not at night. So then Frodo and Sam both fall asleep, despite them both agreeing that they should probably keep an eye on Gollum. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, guys, whatever. 
The next morning, the hobbits, like, wake up and find Gollum gone and start basically discussing, like, did he leave leave or did he just leave to, like... Get food. Food or something. And then they start talking about how, how they have no food. And suddenly Gollum reappears then and says um, he's hungry and then leaves again. <clears throat> but then come comes, like, comes back because he couldn't find anything. So that's, like, I guess when Sam and Frodo decide, oh, we can trust him. Which is wrong. Why would you ever trust this man? Like, I don't get it. Like, he is clearly not, like, not good, my dude. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, basically, then Gollum is leading them through the marshes and stuff, and they, they come to, like, this one path that's, like, lit up by lights. And Gollum is like, no, you can't go that way. We have to go this way. And is like, ignore the lights, which they kind of think is, like, suspicious, but whatever and then um while they're making their way through the marshes they hear Gollum talking to himself and referring to himself as Smeagol and we find out that Gollum has like a split like personality because of the ring oh yeah like yeah so where Smeagol is like evil and wants the ring and like kind of wants to like low-key kill Frodo so he can have the ring for himself Where Gollum is, like, a little more, like, morally aware and is, like, no, he's our master. We can't do that. Like, we promise, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm, like, y'all really are trusting this man way too much. Like, <laughs> you are giving him way too much power. Way too much credit. So then the next morning, uh, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum have basically arrived at the gates of Mordor. And the hobbits thank Gollum for fulfilling his promise of guiding them to the gates. And... Gollum claims that these, like, Nazgul that have been flying around are bad omens and refuses to proceed into Mordor. He's like, no, we can't do it. Like, let's turn back. Like, I'll come with me. I'll protect you. I'm like, oh, this guy just wants the ring. Come on. Yeah. Also, it's what so are you going to do, you 55-pound sack of bones? Like, literally. So then Frodo has to threaten him again to make him actually go go for it you know yeah they finally arrive at the gates of mordor and see the the two towers finally we get the the context of the title of the book yes exactly you see the watchtowers that are these two towers of mordor and as they're they get to these gates and see that they're closely guarded and they start wondering how are we gonna get in like there's no way we're going to sneak by these like 6 million people. And Gollum replies that they can't, and they can't answer, which Sam replies like, then why did you bother traveling to Mordor in the first place? If we can't go inside Gollum, Mm -hmm. why, why, what was the point? What was the point? What was the reason? (laughs) What was the reason? So Gollum replies that he has fulfilled his part of the agreement of guiding the hobbits to the gate, which I'm like, "Mm, sneaky. He's not to, wrong, though. He's not wrong. Sam is super angry again. And at, Sam, like, hates um, hates Gollum, by the way. Like, does not like this man. Frodo's the one who's like, no, we can trust him. Wrong. You should have listened to Sam. So Sam, again, asks why Gollum bothered going to Mordor at all. And Frodo tells him, like, yeah, we have to get, we have to get into Mordor. Like, at all costs, we have to go. So, on their assistance, Gollum admits that there is another way into the kingdom, a secret way that he discovered earlier, and this is highly suspect, but they have no other way, and so they have to follow Gollum 
into this sketchy ass back way that he says he has. Sure, Jan. Right. So Gollum directs Sam and Frodo toward a road that bends south around Mordor, telling them that the road extends from a hundred leagues. Again, with the leagues. <clears throat> what does a league how how long is that? <laughs> but warning that they should not go that way. So Frodo asks if there's a third way. Gollum admits there is a third path running around the back of the kingdom, past a forest fortress built a long time ago by tall men with shining eyes. So I'm assuming, like, that's orcs. I don't know. That could be wrong, but that's what I was assuming. Mm -hmm. So Frodo realizes that Gollum refers to the former fortress as Ilsidur, and the warrior, who's a warrior that defeated Sauron and won the ring from him. Part of the fortress is a tall tower called the Tower of the Moon. Sam asks whether the tower is occupied, and Gollum replies that it's guarded by orcs, of course, and by even worse uh, worse creatures called Silent Watchers. Oh, no, don't like that. Which makes me think of Game of Thrones, for some reason. Silent (laughs) Watchers, like, just, it gives me Game of Thrones vibes. So... Sam remarks that this third path sounds just as risky as the first one, but Gollum says that the Dark Lord is focusing his attention elsewhere and admits that the rear path past the Towers of the Moon is dangerous, but that it's worth trying. The hobbits are obviously still suspicious, but have no other choice, so they go with this this third path. Mm -hmm. Four Nazgul appear in the sky overhead, and the hobbits know that Sauron is observing them. Frodo and Sam grab their knives, but they know that escape is impossible. Gollum senses that other men are heading toward Mordor, too. He describes them as very fierce, saying that he has never seen anything like them, and that there are always men entering Mordor now. So Sam asks whether the men have elephants, which is this is, like, this is like one of the cutest parts of the book. Sam is basically asking if they have elephants, because he had heard about them and has never seen them in real life, and he really wants to. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute. And so, like, the, they, like, end up going to sleep during the daylight hours and then, like, proceeding with this path mm-hmm. at night because Gollum hates the sun because he's a little creepo. So Sam, Frodo, and Gollum then proceed through this third path in Mordor, and gradually they notice the land is becoming greener and more fragrant and less barren, and they welcome this this nice change. Frodo like makes a remark that it's like nice to see like not everything has been destroyed by Sauron mm-hmm. and his evilness. Because they're traveling by night, they do not travel on the open road, but near it. They worry about not having food, obviously, because there is like none. But after several days, they arrive in a country full of woods and streams, once known as Ithilin. Ithilin. So the hobbits are obviously, like, super stoked to see this greenery and water. Um, Go- Gollum, not so much, of course. They stop at the stream to drink and bathe and, again, are troubled by their hunger. So Sam sends Gollum off to hunt for some food for them all, reminding him that hobbit food is different from the food that he wants. What's like, different? They just want cake? No, like, he's like, sir, do not bring us back rotten, like, shit. Yeah. Please write, like... Get, it, get with it. So <laughs> Sam basically watches over Frodo as he sleeps and waits for Gollum to get back. Gollum gets back with some rabbits, which he does not want to cook because he wants to eat them raw for some fucking reason. 
So suddenly Frodo and Sam hear voices nearby and see four tall men wielding spears. The warriors wonder whether the hobbits are elves or perhaps orcs. One of the men identifies himself as Farmir, captain of Gondor. Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> I don't, since I don't have the map, I can't tell where these things are. So I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, the hobbits tell them that they're halflings because I'm sure they don't know about what hobbit. They've never seen a hobbit because, like, half yeah. this book, half the characters haven't seen one. Um, and Faramir says that the hobbits cannot be travelers as uninvited travelers are not allowed in his land. So apparently they've crossed into a different land other than Mordor, mm-hmm. which explains why it's been green and whatnot. So Frodo has to explain that the hobbits have been separated for Ar- from Aragorn and Boromir. And at the mention of Boromir, Faramir is starts asking like a bunch of questions questions and is like suspect about them. Oh yeah, the two men guarding Frodo and Sam start telling the hobbits of their of the enemy their enemy the Southrons, Southrons, Southrons who have been threatening to attack them and and Sam and Frodo are like I really don't care, but um also we've lost Gollum. Like Sam is like Gollum is not here. Like he's gone. Hopefully he Hopefully dipped. he's yeah, I think Sam is, like, in this part in the book, he's, like, kind of relieved, but also is like, yo, where did that man go? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, they hear these, no- like, noises of a battle coming. One of the people, one of the guards, announces that the Southrons are attacking and that Faramir's men are setting out to meet him. And the hobbits climb into a position to see where, the- like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they see the guard calling out for help from some elephants. Which pleases Sam very much, so he's, like, very excited, basically. They, like, win the fight or whatever and basically beg Faramir to, like, let them go, but Faramir is still very suspicious of them and starts interrogating Frodo. And Faramir wants to know why the hobbits originally set out from Rivendell and under what circumstances and why they parted from Boromir and... Faramir knows of, like, the prophecy that states that a, a hobbit will arrive bearing something of great value and asks Frodo what the object is. Frodo is not going to tell him about the ring, obviously. He's, like, um, <laughs> he, he's, like, very nonchalant about it. He's, like, I'm on an errand to deliver a, an object somewhere else. <laughs> As he's vague like, as humanly possible. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to give you the answer without giving you the answer. <laughs> While telling him about the story and everything, does not speak ill of Boromir, even though Boromir tried to steal the ring for himself. And Faramir, knowing that Boromir is dead, is attempting to trick Frodo and announces that Boromir will cle- clear up everything when he arrives. Frodo, obviously, not doesn't know that Boromir's dead. Mm-hmm. And... And Faramir hints that he suspects Frodo is betraying Boromir because he's, like, separated from him. And now he's, like, kind of getting that, like, he's like, I clearly can tell something's going on here and that he doesn't know that Boromir is dead. And we find out that Faramir is Boromir's brother. Really? And Yeah, I know. As soon as I heard Faramir, I was like, this man, is this man's, like, Boromir's brother, because they have, like, such similar names. (laughs) So, he asks Frodo whether he recalls any particular object Boromir possessed, and Frodo remembers Boromir's horn. So, Faramir recounts how once he was 
staring at the sea, and either in a dream or in real life, he saw Boromir floating by on a boat, his horn broken. Faramir says he knew that Boromir was sailing to the land of the dead and that he had been killed. Frodo says that it must have been a mere vision as Boromir had undertaken to go home across the fields of Rowan, far from the water. Mm-hmm. Faramir addresses that dead Boromir is deep, is in deep grief, asking for answers to his questions about what happened to Boromir before his death. Faramir knows that there has been some wrongdoing, but he no longer like doesn't suspect Frodo in his brother's death. Mm-hmm. So, Faramir announces to the hobbits that he has to take them back to Minas Tirith, which is, like, the opposite way of which they're trying to go, so that's great. (laughs) On the way, Faramir commends Frodo's truthfulness, though fully aware that Frodo has withheld the fact that the hobbits did not like Boromir, which, fair. Faramir tries again to extract information about the valuable object, which he knows only as Ilsidur's bane, and... knows that Frodo is carrying. Baromir suspects that Ilsidur's bane killed Boromir, perhaps because it caused contention among the group. Frodo answers that there was no fighting in the ranks, and that and Faramir understands that because of the problem. Well, the problem was Boromir's alone. Mm-hmm. When the woodlands begin to grow thinner, Faramir orders his men to blindfold Frodo and Sam. There's so many blindfolding, so much blindfolding in these books. Like, no one wants to let anyone else know where they are. Like... <laughs> It's very bizarre, very kidnapping vibes. Like, is it that important? I don't think so. <laughs> so listen, everybody has their kinks. We don't judge I here. Gu- I guess so. When the blindfolds are removed, Farmir offers Frodo and Sam food and drink. They basically like are just talking, sharing stories. And as they talk, Sam accidentally blurts out the fact that Boromir had sought to get the ring. Which I'm like, Sam, you dumb, you dumb fuck, bitch, literally. Faramir is shocked that his brother was guilty, but he appreciates Sam's honesty and affirms that he has no interest in getting the ring for himself. Frodo tells Faramir of his own mission to throw the ring in the crack of doom to destroy it. The crack of doom. I know. I was like, you couldn't have named it anything else. Come on. That's so funny. (laughs) Literally. I was like, this is just embarrassing. Frodo is then awakened later in the night as Faramir is trying to seek advice on, on something. So Frodo asks whether it's morning already and Faramir's like, nah, dude, it's like dawn, but I I have to ask you this question. We have to leave right away. (laughs) Faramir takes the hobbit to a cliff by the river and Sam joins them. For a while, Frodo wonders why he was roused to come and watch the river. And then he, he, Faramir comes over and is like, oh no, I didn't come here for you. I didn't bring you here to like, look at the landscape. Um, I came here to kill you. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, look down into the river, and Frodo looks down and sees a small creature moving in the water. Obviously, it's Gollum, <laughs> who has followed them, of course. Um, so he's been unseen by Faramir's men until now, and Faramir asks what kind of creature it is, and, uh, and asks whether or not they should kill it. Do it. Frodo, yeah, I know, I'm like, yeah, do it. Frodo is like, no, don't do it, which mm. I'm like, Ugh. Dumb. Faramir asks whether Gollum knows about the treasure Frodo is carrying, and Frodo replies that, like, yeah, he does know, and he, he actually carried it for a while, and has to ex- explain, like, Gollum's little weirdness. And Frodo offers to speak to Gollum instead of them, like, killing him, because that's the punishment for trespassing onto their kingdom. Love that. 
Frodo goes down to the water and addresses Gollum, who pouts about having been abandoned and, and refuses to come with Frodo. Finally, Frodo persuades Gollum to leave the water, leading him toward the area where Faramir's men are waiting for him. The men take Gollum, who then feels betrayed by Frodo and spits on him as he le- he is led away, which I say is not very COVID-friendly. <laughs> Rude. Faramir demands to interrogate Gollum, who initially refuses to cooperate, obviously, until Frodo tries to persuade Gollum to trust him. Faramir asks, whether Go- asks Gollum whether he has ever been in this area before, to which he claims he is not, and Faramir doesn't believe him, which rightfully so. Smart man. <laughs> right. But he ultimately accepts that he's like somewhat telling the truth and decides that they're not going to harm Gollum. That sounds like a bad idea, but okay. Right. He agrees to it on the condition that Gollum will be considered Frodo's servant, which I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. However, Faramir privately warns Frodo to be wary of Gollum, whom he still does not trust. Faramir says that there's evil growing in Gollum, which like, yeah, they know. They literally know this, but yet they are not going to heed your warning, sir, because they do not believe it for some reason. (laughs) Faramir also warns against Frodo's passing over the mountains, saying that there is a great danger there. Frodo replies that there's, this is the only way he can go, as he must avoid the gates of Mordor that they passed earlier. And Farmer tells him it's a hopeless task, which I'm like, wow, what thank great. You. <laughs> thanks for your confidence, guy. Yeah, literally. My guy, thank you for that. So Farmer tells Frodo and Sam goodbye as they continue their journey into Mordor and warns them to beware the territory nearby and to never drink from any of the waters flowing out of Imeld Im- Morgul. Which makes me, which is also called the Valley of the Living Dead, which makes me think they're going to do it. Like, immediately, you, you immediately no. Literally. I'm like, you can't put in a character warning them not to do something and then for them to, to actually heed that warning. Yeah. Like, that's not how this book has been going so far. So Far Faramir, Faramir presents Frodo and Sam with packed food for their journey as well as slaves to support them in their fatigue. Oh, sorry, staves. Oh, I, I misread like, this. What? I know. I was like, that makes no sense. So Gollum is brought out of captivity, and all three are blindfolded as they t- are taken out of Faramir's little Cave. hideout. Yeah. As the journey continues, Gollum reports that the area is dangerous and full of watching eyes. No shit. Duh. So Frodo asks whether a dark slope in the distance is the Valley of Morgul. Gollum answers that it is indeed the valley, and says that, that they must move quickly to a place called the Crossroads. I never want to visit a place called the Crossroads. Right. It does not sound good. <laughs> so one night, Frodo and Sam awaken to find Gollum gone. Sam expresses relief that they are finally free of him, <clears throat> which same. But Frodo reminds him that Gollum has helped them and and he, he can be trustworthy. Sam is not convinced of this. <laughs> and sure, Jan. Ble- right. And is like believes that Gollum is very capable of being a little trickster. <laughs> So, meanwhile, the daylight is somewhat dark and the air feels heavy. The atmosphere is, like, definitely changed. It's not great. So, one afternoon, Gollum suddenly appears back up and wakes Frodo and Sam up with, like, an urgency to get a move on and directs them eastward up a slope to the southward road, which leads them to a place that he calls the crossroads. Again, I don't trust it. I don't like it. So... 
they're making their way again, and it's, like, not the greatest. It's pretty hard. And it smells really bad, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And they're, like, begging for rest, but they, Gollum insists that they have to continue. And as they start moving again, Minus Morgul erupts in a deafening thunder, and troops start appearing. Frodo uh, sees, like, a great mass of army, all dressed in, like, you know, garb, (laughs) guided by a horseman whom Frodo identifies as the Lord of the Nazgul. So this does not seem good. (laughs) Suddenly the horseman stops and Frodo fears that he has spotted them. So Frodo stands still because apparently if you stand still, they can't see you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Drax. uh, Right, exactly. If I close my eyes, you can't see me. (laughs) But almost against his will, his hand moves toward the ring hanging on his neck, which would give him the strength needed to confront the Lord of the, the Nazgul. Which, again, sir... No. What did Gandalf tell you? Do not use this ring. Bad decision. So luckily, Frodo also touches the vial that Galadriel uh, gave him, which he had forgotten about. Luckily, the ring wraith ends his watchful pause and continues on his way. So Frodo remains extremely distressed because he fears that he has taken too long to reach Mordor and is too late to fulfill his mission of destroying the ring. Gollum, however, urges the hobbits steadily onward and up more stairs as sorry so as they go up these stairs Frodo becomes dizzy and starts feeling like he can't go on but Gollum forces them to continue cause he's a, a taskmaster you know <laughs> he's like we gotta get this we gotta meet the deadline <laughs> Frodo looks down and sees that they are above minus Morgul which heights not a fan. Not a fan. Right. <laughs> After what they what seems like miles uphill on the stairs of Sirth... It doesn't really matter. Up these stairs. <laughs> as the twisting... <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> that was good. Um, Gollum leads Frodo and Sam into a dark crevice to rest. Do not like this. Mm-mm. They, ooh, they discuss the questions of whether there is water at these heights and whether it is drinkable. And the two hobbits fall into discussion of the old songs and prophecies. Again with the songs. Again. Again. I mean, they Again. aren't as prevalent in this one as they were in the last. So Frodo and Sam also talk about how trustworthy Gollum is. And Frodo insists that no matter how selfish Gollum may be, he's like, orcs don't like him. They hate him, actually, and are hunting him down. And therefore, may be considered a reliable guide. Because it's like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my my friend. Friend, right. So, one night, Sam awakens to find Gollum caressing the sleeping Frodo. Yeah, don't like that. Sam accuses Gollum of sneaking around in the dark, to which Gollum is offended by, and says he was not sneaking. (laughs) (laughs) Which, very elementary... Very elementary argument here. I mean, Frodo, at least he was like, I wasn't sneaking. I was out openly doing this. Yeah, this was not sneaking. This was open in the in the air. If you would have been awake, I would have done this too. <laughs> Frodo wakes up and settles their argument, telling Gollum he is free to go off by himself if he wishes. But Gollum is adamant that he has to guide the hobbits to their to their to their to death. Their, yeah, to their quest here. And so Gollum leads Sam and Frodo in a dark stone wall to a cave which they enter. 
the the smell is overwhelmingly bad. <laughs> Which, if you have to like emphasize that, not good. Like, not good. Just gonna put that out there. So, Gollum reports that the cave is the entrance to a tunnel. Despite the possibility that the cave is filled with orcs, Sam and Frodo, they have to enter. The tunnel is totally dark, and the hobbits proceed by feeling along the walls. And while they're doing this, Gollum disappears again. Like, Gollum just disappears left and right in this book, let me tell you. So, Frodo is is aware of an intense feeling of hostility and danger emitting from the darkness. And they hear a, a hiss, but can see nothing. Sam shouts to Frodo to raise his vial of Galadriel, which is, like, glowing around his neck. And it shines such a strong light that it illuminates hundreds of tiny eyes. Oh, fuck no. Mm-hmm. The eyes belong to Shelob, a giant spider monster. Hell no. Hell no. Uh-uh. Yes. Nope. See yeah. you never. Uh-huh. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. I know. I'm like, could we pick a different monster? Why has it got to be spiders? Like, I hate spiders. Or They're disgusting. to be spiders? Oh, no. <laughs> So, Frodo is terrified, as I would be. As any reasonable person would be. I would straight up turn around, not gonna lie, and be like, peace out, bye. Uh, This quest is over. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, Frodo walks towards the eyes, which retreat as he advances. (coughs) I know. I know. I'm like, no. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Things we aren't gonna do. Interact with the eyes. Exactly. The, the, so the hobbits head for the end of the tunnel, but are held up by the cobwebs that stretch across the passageway. Again, I would have just turned around, but of course, no. Seems like a sign. Right. They cut the cobwebs with the knife that, you know, they have. And the, the hobbits fear, sorry, the cobwebs are too strong to be cut by a knife, which makes them think that they're trapped. But then they remember that they have Sting, an elf-made knife, which can cut through these cobwebs. And now that the hobbits are within the view of the exit from the tunnel, Frodo shouts that they should run and pulls ahead. Dick. I know. I'm like, you're going to leave Sam over here? Like, rude. So Sam lifts the, f- the vial to see no- and notices that there are orcs ahead and hides the vial. Suddenly, Shelob attacks, moving swiftly between Sam and Frodo. Sam shouts a warning to Frodo, but is silenced by a clammy hand. Oh, hell no. Clammy hand of Gollum. Fuck no. Who has betrayed the hobbits by leading them to Shelob. Dick. I know. He's asshole. really been planning this for, like, several months for them to travel, like, this far. Oh, boy. It's a lot to unpack. <laughs> Sam, who would have thought the person who has a split personality where one of the personalities wants Frodo dead wins out. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> Sam removes himself from, from Gollum's grasp and threatens to stab him, but Gollum moves quickly away because he's not want to be stabbed. <laughs> Obviously. That's why he in moves the mi- away. Right. In the midst of the struggle, he's like, hey, man, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy, man. Like, from, from Drake and Josh, take it easy, yeah. man. Yeah. In the midst of the struggle with the spider, uh, Chilab, Sam discovers Frodo lying face up, paralyzed by the spider's poison. Rude. Fucking rude. The, 
The sight of Frodo in such an awful state fills Sam with courage and rage and charges Shelob. He manages to stab her in one eye, which goes dark. And obviously not happy about this. She heaves her bo- belly up over Sam and prepares to crush him with her like thorax. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, impa- instead impales herself on his sword. Shelob shudders in pain and withdraws. Sam rushes to Frodo and then charges Shelob again, and this convinces the spider to just give it up and flees out of there. Sam which Sam calls out to Frodo, whom he at first believes to be asleep, but then suddenly Sam realizes, oh no, he might not be asleep. He might be, like, he dead. He thinks like, he's asleep. Yeah, this motherfucker just fell asleep in the middle of all of this. just so, so pure, so... Naive. The innocence. So he is stricken. He's very upset about this thought and that he, and thinking about like how he now has to carry out the mission of destroying the ring. And this like idea of having to take the ring from his Frodo's body and carrying it himself destroys Sam. Terrifying. Like, he's, he is so upset about it. He like comes to realize he cares for Sam, or sorry, cares for Frodo and is like, are they his a best little friend? What? Are they a little. I mean, I don't want to say that they are for sure, you know, a little, but they have a very strong friendship. So if you want to read it that way, I could definitely understand and would support you. Yes. Okay. So Sam decides that as Frodo's companion, he can legitimately inherit this mission and Sam takes the ring and attempts to flee and is like, I'm going to come back for you, Frodo. Like, I'm going to continue, like, I'm going to complete what you started and come back for you. And then I'm just going to, like, it's so sad. I'm not kidding. He's like, I'm coming back and I'm going to stay with you and I'll, I'll die right by your side. I'm like, okay, there's no reason for me to cry in this last fucking chapter of <laughs> the rings, but okay. But here we are. But here we are. But as he's attempting to flee, he hears orc voices surrounding him. And so Sam panicked and not knowing what to do because he doesn't want to get caught puts on the ring and feels like the whole world shift and because of the ring because he's wearing it sam can now understand the orc language perfectly Uh. right and sees the orcs take up frodo's body and carry it away so sam obviously falls behind listening to the guards conversation one orc named shagrat is telling the other gorbog that shelob has been wounded (laughs) And that they, they're impressed that any creature was able to hurt Shelob and cut through the cores of her cobwebs. And they, they both, like, say that they imagine that the creature must be very powerful. Which I'm like, okay, These names are ridiculous. Yeah, they're not great. So Shagrat announces that the orders given from above are to retrieve Frodo safe and sound with a careful examination of all his possessions. Gorbog wonders whether Frodo is even alive at all, but Shagrat affirms that Shelob only eats living flesh so that Frodo must still be alive, which I don't know why that affirms it. But, but okay, Jan. Right. But we are left to assume that he is alive because Sam is amazed to hear that Frodo is alive. And yeah, his boyfriend's or- still here. I know. The orc guards carrying Frodo slam the doors behind them. Sam still has a ring, but is separated from his friend. And that is the end of two towers. Wow. Wow. That was so anticlimactic. 
Just like, well, oh, he walks off with the ring and Frodo's been taken. That's why it's not anticlimactic because now Frodo's gone or Frodo's alive, but the orcs have him and Sam has the ring and has to save his friend. True. But yeah, I think I prefer Fellowship of the Ring because this book has like a lot of like meandering parts that I'm like, okay, let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah. I but can see that. St- yeah, but the last like two chap, the last four chapters are like very packed and like super good. And I would say probably like the first three chapters and then the chapter that Frodo co- or um, Gandalf comes back to life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was Two Towers. The end. <laughs> Love that Orlando Bloom survives the second book. Thank God. But yes, um, anything else we want to chat about? No. I don't think so. Okay, well, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at BookaholicsPod. You can find me on Twitter at FranchToeSticks with an X or on Instagram at Hope. And where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, Just Alicia Reads. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye!